Okay, it's recording. Red light's on. You ready? I'm ready. Welcome to Go Additive, where your hosts combine their real-world professional 3D printing experience to deliver valuable opinions that will help you peer behind the curtain of the additive industry. And now, Go Engineer's own, Tyler Reed and Tate Brown. Wow, that was some dead air right there. <laughs> Jeez. Normally I come in too early and now it's just perfect timing. Yeah. So we, uh, someone told me the other day that our intro is too long. I think it's perfect because you can skip it perfectly. Two, two button skips. Yeah. On like Spotify. Yeah. Just bump, bump. You're done. It's very, it's very easy to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Skip it y'all. Skip right to the end. It plays an important role in our process. You know what? It does. We listen to it and it actually convinces us that, oh, this is something I am happy to be doing right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Just so everybody knows, Tyler, for whatever reason, I think it's, you're purely not excited about this episode because I am. I actually think that's true. Why do you have to be like that? <laughs> I don't know. It's a character flaw. <laughs> You've been... Could I do reverse psychology and just be like, dude, I'm super bummed about today. Probably. I don't want to do this. Probably. And then I would come full force, but then you would come full force unexpectedly, and we would have an episode like... Two energies? Last, like too much energy? Episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I... It's Friday. You've been pumped about this episode for like three days. Um, like three weeks. I've been collecting true. true little bullets in my notes. But I could feel your energy for the last three days. Yeah, I've been... Uh, now, I don't want to get everyone's hopes up. It's just a normal... <laughs> let me set expectations early. This is just as bad as all our others. Maybe slightly better. We're coming into our own. Yet to be seen. Um, <laughs> but I, I, you know, per usual and bringing the energy it is the end of the day today which you yeah. typically putter out i saw earlier that you were barely able to walk around your hip <laughs> seems to be bothering you again tyler's the oldest 29 year old i'm just kidding how old are you 35 yeah he's the oldest 35 year old i know hasn't always been this way so it can just change on a dime just a heads up <laughs> it's true tomorrow you'll be walking fine i have jeb was uh just giving me a hard time today about he's like you have all these medals uh for running races and like specific medals oh, for you? for taking the hardest uh leg in these various races okay i'm like yeah i'm not i've earned my last does the medal, medal have the leg on it so do people There's, actually know this? Is there proof that you ran that leg or is this just yeah, lore? Like, like one of them is king of the Wasatch. I think you're pretty cool, huh? I'm just saying. <laughs> you could never do it today. <laughs> You'd never make it. I have the will to do it. I, I would just be slower. Yeah. Tyler wouldn't make it. Tyler wouldn't make it. I wouldn't choose you to win. I'm just saying. I'm not saying win. And I never, I never won. Just saying, I'm I accomplished. Okay, that I, I was finished. rude. I, finished. I take that back. That was rude. Yeah, it's okay. I just don't think. 
I'm not going to go there. Let's get into <laughs> what have you been doing lately at home? Digging <laughs> dirt. Yeah, that's why my hips are all messed up. <laughs> like with a shovel? Yeah. Hand shovel. Rake. Shovel. Yeah. Do you like the square nose? <clears throat> it depends. Or the spade? Uh, I use both. Oh, so you're an actual shovel person. Like you, yeah. you know the application for the proper shovel. Yeah. You don't just use whatever you have. When I go out, I... I take both shovels plus the rake, usually, all at once. What are you doing? Just digging holes right now? Like, what's the purpose? Yeah, I'm like digging down. I'm trying to lower <laughs> my property. <laughs> you just, as opposed to digging up. Yeah. Yeah. What? <laughs> I'm just trying to cut down certain areas. Okay. So that I can... Subtractive manufacturing. Yeah. Nice. I've got some awesome toolpath strategies going. <laughs> they pretty they, fast yeah someone someone would look at those and they'd be like that's that's trichoidal milling right there really yeah yeah i'm sure <laughs> i gotta get some drone footage of this actually that'd be kind of cool a time lapse if you are doing any kind of cool yeah it would i would have to do a time lapse over about three years <laughs> <laughs> You could use Google Images for, exactly. for, for years. Okay. Let's get some some uh, spy satellite imagery going. Anything else cool? This digging, <clears throat> I, I want to get into this later in the episode. I know but you do. This digging. <laughs> I know you do. I'm not going to segue into it yet. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Um, I do want to say I worked on a personal project recently. I try to always bring up our personal 3D print projects that we do. Yeah. My confidence in the origin system is sky high it's, right now. It's uh, up, up, up. Yeah. I really like it. Um, we have a technician, I'll say. His okay. name is also Jebediah, mm -hmm. who specializes on the origin system. He's not a technician. He's an application engineer, but... Um, I call him a technician because that's how good he is with the system. He's super dialed. He asked me if I had, he had a couple hours spare and he's like, Hey, I need to use this material. Do you have anything cool you want to print? And I was like, Oh, I've had these on my backlog forever. They're just electronic enclosures for my motorcycle. Okay, cool. I redesigned the whole subframe on this motorcycle. I need these low profile enclosures just for a fuse box and it'll hold the factory fuse box so i don't have to like rewire one of those kind of universal fuse boxes in yeah and another enclosure for the i think it's the efi system on this bike okay uh or engine management and they came out perfectly and no one's ever gonna it doesn't know surprise me that they weren't injection molded i know right no one will ever know they won't and fitment was perfect. Like I, I built in a little bit of clearance. There aren't any seals. There's no O-rings on these. I didn't make them waterproof or anything, but they do have some snap fittings and the snap fits came out really good. They're just flexible enough. The thing I, I don't know, it's weird. Cause like with, I've printed these in FDM before and just the full feeling of having to be careful about how you put the box together and how you pull it apart because yeah. of these snap fits. Yeah. It kind of just, you get a little nervous feeling. Totally. And it's not something that you really anticipate uh, surviving, you know, dozens of install, uninstall cycles. Yeah. 
Because they just wear out. They fatigue. Totally. And with this particular part, one of them has um, snap fits on multiple axes. Mm -hmm. So that made it a particularly challenging part for FDM. I did try and get away with FDM initially. I thought you did. I thought I had seen you print those in yeah, the past. I did. I printed <laughs> them on the F370. Uh, they looked great. And actually, I didn't end up breaking them. I guess it's just like the mental aspect of like, sure. I know I'm going to. I sure. know I'm going to. And additionally, like, I don't want a dog on FDM, but it's not, it doesn't look sexy unless you do some post-processing. Yeah. Off that origin system, there's just there are so few support interfaces. They're so easy to remove the part. Um, and again, this was a first part try. Mm-hmm. So this is something that I think my expectations of an origin system or a resin system is that it's kind of an, of an iterative iterative process, mm-hmm. which it can be. Yeah, but. On this particular instance, two separate parts, two halves to this enclosure. And how'd they mate together? How'd that look? Perfectly. Nice. One of them, I will say the bigger box had some slight, very slight bend. Like um, a bow? Like a bow. Along yeah, the edge. to it. But I think with a different support yeah. strategy. So it's not, I mean, that's really common even in injection molded parts. Yeah. And to be honest, it's negligible. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting really nitpicky, like for me, and I'm kind of uh, a perfectionist with this type of stuff. The fact that it clips together, when it clips, it straightens out. And so it's totally acceptable. Yeah. I love that printer and uh, I love the prints coming off it. Those enclosures will be waterproof as far as the material goes. Yeah. And it could be waterproof depending on how they mate together. If I threw an O-ring in there, absolutely. But even without a gasket, just depending on how you could have a mechanical seal there. Yeah, and it does. Like currently there's an overlap that goes over. So it's kind of like a a roof shingle, Uh so to speak. So water would shed off of this. That's the other downside of the filament. Yeah, the naturally porous aspect. Anything I can print on the DLP system... I do. What makes it so you won't size and the complexity of the supports. Like if I have to add a bunch of supports to it, I might, I might avoid that. I'm lazy. So you don't want to do the support removal is your biggest thing or just the support design on the front end. Especially if those supports are going to be on a surface that is a critical surface, just because sometimes you, you can't get away from that. Then... I might think twice about just jumping over to the origin. Okay. But especially if the material's loaded or the the material's available, you get your parts quicker too. Yeah. I like the system. I don't <clears throat> like necessarily the pre-processing only for one reason, and that's because it takes some uh, is tribal knowledge the right way to say it? It takes some learning of your own like Yeah. You, It's just like FDM, like it becomes second nature to us to orient in a certain direction if we know part strength is important um, in a certain axis or, you know, support material usage. We know how to orient the part kind of like second nature at this point. It's very open-ended, the support uh, strategy decision tree, right? Like how how are you going to support it and why is pretty open-ended. There's no 
one objective best way of doing it, probably in most cases. It's a good, better, best. And there's like so many different options too, whether you're using Magics or NetFab or whatever. There's there's a million different ways to do those supports. So speaking of Jeb yeah. and strategies, print strategies, I actually have a quick Jeb story. Okay. So <laughs> this was kind of, we've talked about this in recent episodes, maybe even as recently as last episode, but people that think like, just print it. Mm-hmm. Just print it, duh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually had two of those experiences this week. Um, one of them was from our very own Jebediah. Mm-hmm. He comes up to me and and he's like, hey, can you do a print for me? <laughs> and this Jeb never asks for prints. Okay. Right? He works on the SolidWorks side and just never has asked for anything like this okay. before. And he's like, okay, um, yeah, let me see what I can do for you. Like, do you have a file? And he's like, well... All I have is an STL, like a scan. Okay. And I was like, how did you get the scan? Real quick. But we do, we do like to print parts for people around the office because it gets them engaged with the printers, you know? I I, hate it. I do like seeing. I hate it. I do (laughs) like seeing printed parts around people's desks and whatnot. Yeah. Hey, I've provided quite a few. Like there was a salesperson that wanted a skull. I printed yeah. a little skull that she uses as a pen holder or a candy holder or something. That's so weird. I try to do nice <laughs> things. Now, this is also a skull. Okay. But it's a dinosaur skull. Ooh. And as you can imagine, this particular Jeb wants this in a one-to-one ratio. <laughs> what kind of dinosaur is it? I don't even know. It's not a T-Rex, which I thought he was wanting the T-Rex skull which I think initially he was, but we happen to have a different dinosaur. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know the name. I'll tell you this. It's big and it would need to be printed on our F770. It okay. takes up the whole build volume. <laughs> okay. I <laughs> And I told him, I'm like, hey, man, like just I ran this through my, my laptop and GrabCAD is traditionally super lightweight. It works really fast. What I've noticed is on these full scale prints, with that f770 it's heavy yeah so you're doing a ton of slicing it's doing a ton of of algorithms on every layer because it's just covering so much more area so many algorithms so many all the algorithms (laughs) and it it took forever it took like a half an hour to process on my laptop i was super bummed about it because i was trying to do a nice thing and it was just bogging me down because you can't really do a whole lot in GrabCAD if it's sitting there calculating yeah. Yeah. these these runs. And it's this giant print and I'm just trying to slice it. You know, I chose some pretty conservative strategies. I tried to to um, make it the, the infill as sparse as possible so that it would use the least amount of material. I tried to make the shell very thin. Yeah. I did all these things. <clears throat> Guess how long it took to print or theoretically the estimated print time. Mm, days days for sure how many (laughs) i don't know four days nine hours wow (sighs) so (laughs) and and how much material it was like nearly i want to say it was like 400 cubic inches but i don't even know so it was like two two spools spools of material yeah plus support 
and almost as much support too, because it's not like it's an enclosure yeah. where you can orient it a certain way. It's a skull. It's a we dinosaur don't have a skull. bath for that machine either. Currently, we, we have a bath, and we could have like do it in two two halves. Maybe as long as the water level met the halfway yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so imagine dunking this thing in halfway like a yeah. cookie, and then having to flip it over and dunk the other half. So when you were talking about all of the math that's happening when they're calculating these toolpaths the algorithms yeah the algorithms i was reminded of this cam demo that i was on years ago and there was this there was this old machinist who programmed everything by hand and he was not did he use excel sheets or did he just wrote straight up wrote the g-code oh my and and that's what he wanted to keep doing and the management was like this, this is not, this is not what we're going to be doing. And the guy challenged me to a race, like a race, a cam race. And I'm like, did you agree to the race? I, I don't want to do this. It's like, it's like you pulling up next to On a, a pedal bike, like a, someone jogging, you know, on, in your car. And they're like, race me, bro. Race me. Race me for slips. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, I don't want to do that. Just engaging in that makes you feel kind of dirty. Please tell me you did it. Please tell me you did it. <laughs> you did it. You dirty dog. What happened? I tried to diffuse it. I, I didn't want to embarrass him. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to well, embarrass him. Give us an idea of his confidence. Like, obviously, he's got an overdeveloped sense of confidence yeah. but like give us an idea of like how did he talk to you it was pretty dismissive actually he's like i could do that i could do that like time wise yeah yeah and uh i mean very it was very obvious he couldn't there's, there's how is it obvious there's no way just the geometry yeah just the geometry way too it was complex. like 2d it was 2d stuff but there's like there's no way because it takes me two clicks and i I've programmed it and I've output the code. That's quicker than he could even do like a safety line with all your initial <laughs> G, code, G codes, you know? And, and it turned out and he was like, well, it's probably wrong. <laughs> it's probably wrong. Wait, so you did race him or did you just say that? Like, I was hey, like, hey guy, it's two clicks. I was like, click, click, I'm done. And then he said, it's probably wrong. Yeah. Did you run a simulation? Did you do anything? Uh, you didn't entertain this guy at all. You're like, this is not going to work. It felt like I was dealing with someone who um, I really would, wouldn't feel great if I was like just crushing him. You would have and crushed his be, soul. It wouldn't be very, like it was it his wouldn't whole have been very professional either. You know, because it's not like just him he and I in a room. What's prof There's nothing more professional than, than challenging someone to a race. <laughs> We used to do this at my last company. If you can ever challenge each other to foot races <laughs> and we do it in the parking lot. Oh, we people we've done line that. up. I've I've raced people in this building on Ooh. foot. And I've actually won money. Is that right? Yeah. But, but you had nothing to gain from this. This situation. This? Your pride no. didn't even tempt no. you. But now that I'm retelling this story, I think I missed an opportunity to just go click click boom. <laughs> in the demo <laughs> oh my gosh he wouldn't have gotten it he was too old yeah probably that's pretty that's pretty interesting <laughs> we <laughs> i don't know how we got on the oh because of the 
math. The math. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you didn't race him, but I kind of wish you would have for the story. I imagine a guy who's wearing suspenders or yeah. uh, overalls. Yeah, totally. And uh, I cannot believe he challenged you to a yeah, race. Some of the cam demos I've been on are just wild. Totally wild. Well, this actually is a good segue into the main topic of this podcast. What is it? The main topic? Yeah. What if, What has you so stoked for three <laughs> solid days? Okay, so to give everyone some background on what happened. The other day, Tyler and I, we were just hanging, hanging, having a little discussion. I happened to get a message from one of our listeners. And uh, that listener will know who he is when I, I talk about this. But basically, um, they're like, hey, you know, great job. I have a quick question, though. You mentioned that you're really spoiled with the Stratasys equipment that you have access to. Uh, I'm really jealous of you guys, but what would you print with? Mm -hmm. Okay, I remember. If you lost access this to these printers. Now. Okay. And yep. it was like, <laughs> it was like, wow, you know, it, it, it hit you like a ton of bricks. It's like, oh my gosh, if that happened, that'd kind of stink. But I kind of had some ideas of where I would go. And, and I asked Tyler, like, what would you do? <laughs> And what'd you tell me? I think at first I said, uh, I would just go with that one. And then I don't remember that part. And then a few seconds later, I was like, mm, uh, I actually pro would probably need one. I'd, I'd probably build one. <laughs> and <laughs> I am, I'm still actually shook. <laughs> I cannot believe that was like, I can, <laughs> the part of me that like knows you and we've had these other conversations like about your, mm. your digging recently, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You've mm -hmm. talked about getting some heavy equipment to help with this. Oh, my, my go-to historically has always been, I can build that. And then I will start down that road to some degree. And it almost always ends in disappointment. Almost always. Disappointment because you analyze it and realize that it's not the right way to go or because you actually build the thing and you're like, I should have just bought this. <laughs> All of the above. There's so many reasons why <laughs> building things is almost always the absolute worst option. Especially if there's a part on the shelf, it no. is the worst option. That's like a guarantee. What do you mean if there's a part on a part if, on the shelf? If someone makes what you are trying to make already, yeah. There's a high high likelihood that it's cost effective for you to buy it. Yeah. Definitely. But in the past I would Even always I would always look at that and and say, "Okay, what did they do? Why did they do that? How can I make it better?" It was never really, "Oh, I should buy that." <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting better. I, well, I think there's a part of that, that, that I didn't take into account. Like you making it better. That to yeah. me is like very wholesome. In theory though, in theory. And it's not wholesome because then my mind is like, once I make it better, it's a noble can, cause. Once I make it better, I can make a few, sell them so that I can recoup all my cost, And maybe even I'll become the king of, whatever <laughs> and put this guy out of business there's nothing wholesome oh about it oh my gosh well it, i have a very wild imagination 
I know that. I know that. <laughs> I mean, I just thought it was so funny because you and I, we've done this podcast for a while now. Yeah. Over a year. I know. And like, I just want everybody out there, the listeners, as <laughs> another Jeb told us, what should we call our listeners? Print heads. Print heads. <laughs> yeah. We so have, to all, it's to, amazing. To all you print heads out there. Um, I just want it's a Friday and Tyler's feeling goofy. Print but heads. I yeah, for all you print heads out there, I just want you to know <laughs> that I when I say that I am spoiled with a Stratasys system, I mean it. Oh, and yeah. my oh, answer, yeah. getting back to yeah, what when, is your answer? when you asked me. Was I would be looking for ways to justify the cost of a Stratasys machine. Yeah. And it's not like I'm totally like team blue. It's just that my experience with Stratasys has truly been different than what I experienced in the past using other systems. Um, I have had good experience. I've, I know I, I mentioned Prusa pretty often. Mm-hmm. They just came out with a pretty large machine. I think it's a 14 inch cube. I want to say um, for myself, like most of my projects, and this was my answer to the the listener, the print head that wrote the print in, head. Yeah. Um, was that the, I would probably give the Prusa a shot. Most of my projects are bigger. I think the machine I would be after if I went the Stratasys route would be the F770. Um, I don't know if I, how would you, as a, as a a regular guy, yeah, just as a dude in his garage, I would have to, how would you justify that? Well, this is where my imagination goes wild (laughs) because I don't, I would not be printing often enough on it to make it worth it. However, you know, if I had say four big parts a year that I printed on it, if I did those through a print bureau, they would cost me three to 10 grand. Yeah. Um, so it would be a huge cost savings for me, for me there, but, and I would be looking for ways to like, you'd have to monetize it. Exactly. These are, these are tools to make money. Like there is no doubt about that. I'd be printing other people's parts. And with the 770, at least you would have the uniqueness of the size and Mm -hmm. you could, you could find a pretty niche market, uh, for something like that. Yeah. And I mean... What those prints go for, it's a it's a viable business for sure. If, if you, you sell, can find the work. If you sell one a month, one big print. You'd be making your payment for sure. That's all I'm saying. Now, now that's where my imagination goes wild. If I was just looking to have something that only I use purely, yeah. I'm not trying to monetize it. Yeah. I would try the Prusa. I really would. I am curious if anybody out there has tried that or got their hands on that new machine. I think it is yeah. shipping at this point. And not I, everyone who's ordered it has it yet. I wonder how their technology is scaling because what we've seen from these other systems that have grown, they don't necessarily scale yeah. well on a print <clears throat> success from a print success standpoint, from a yield standpoint. Like, am I still getting the same yield on my big Prusa versus my yeah. M3? So after we had that conversation, I thought about it more. And (laughs) I would be really conflicted. I wouldn't know what to do because I am, I've been here for 10 years. So I've had these printers at my fingertips and it's my job to use them for so long that I don't know what I would do without them. It's actually hard for me to imagine. 
And I, at, at first I thought, I don't print that much. But then I started going through my head. I'm like, I actually, I print a lot. What am I talking about? I print a lot. So I would, I, I don't think I would go your route because me personally, I'm not super interested in printing parts for other people. Neither am I. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to oh, do it. Oh, you wouldn't even to, entertain the F770 route? I wouldn't want to feel compelled to sell parts um, because that would take me away from some other goals that I have. I know? agree. Yeah. So I would be looking at something that, you know, maybe in the low thousands <laughs> of not, dollars, you know, low thousands <laughs> of dollars, whether that is an used uh, piece of industrial equipment that I feel like I could still get support on and keep running. Or if it's a new, more prosumer uh, product. But I also know I would have zero uh, patience for dealing with problems on the printer. Um, I'm not interested in trying to define toolpaths and optimize stuff. I have, I'm, I'm past that. I've, I've done it way too much. I'd, you seem stressed just talking. I, would, about I, it. I know. I would just want something that gives me as close to the experience that we have right yeah. now. Yeah. Just I, I go, I print a part, I get it, and then I keep going. Yeah. So that's that's the reason because because I've had good experience with the smaller Prusa system. Yeah. That's why I'm curious. You know, we had our failures with the Prusa, but overall quality was good. Um, it wasn't a nightmare machine. And I have had those and I won't mention names, but yeah. it was not a nightmare machine. And, and I would feel reasonable about spending a couple thousand bucks on this type of tool. I would be sad if I lost access to the machines, the beautiful machines that we have. Well, and we have the ability to put things in our backlog like, oh, yeah, I'll print that later. Yeah. Versus we we're just spoiled to be able to do yeah. that. Yeah. Part of me would says I would join the rejoin the local makerspace because they have a few machines. But then you're dealing with other people's problems. Yeah. And the more I thought about that, I was like, ah, no, I'm 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 trying to fit the schedule in. And then those printers, you know, have their own issues. It's a problem that I don't want to have, to be honest. Yeah, we're spoiled. <clears throat> we're just spoiled. But I, so ultimately I would make my decision based on a bigger machine. I, I don't have much use for a baby, a baby system. Yeah. You, you have bigger parts that I think you want to do. Yeah. And I have a router table and in terms of like speed and reliability, it's pretty good. Usability. I like, you know, machining MDF because a lot of my stuff's like little molds and things like that, where MDF is like yeah. real easy to paint and, and kind of post-process to be a usable, smooth surface. And there's just some density to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of the parts that I need, that's ideal. Um, I'm going to actually suggest if anyone, if that's like jiving with anybody, there's a guy on Instagram. We've mentioned him a million times, but 3D Magic Mike. Oh, yeah. Really good follow. He does. I wasn't on Instagram for like many, many, many months. I forgot about him. And now he's so good. I'm back on it occasionally and he hasn't popped up. 
Is he still around? Yeah. His Dotson project is getting really close. That thing is so sweet. Yeah. He does a lot of carbon fiber layup for those of you who may not ever even look into his page, but I do recommend he's a great follow because he is anal retentive, like does incredible, highly detailed, perfect I would consider yeah, perfect a work. way above and beyond on the CAD side. He's inspiring. Yeah. Well, not even just the CAD side. Yeah, we talked about that once. Yeah, was, we did. He he goes way overboard with his his design, where Tyler and I wouldn't spend the time. We just need like the proof of concept and the yeah. layout. He details everything down to the thread, down to the wires, everything. I, I would love to just become a ghost for about two days. And just follow him around to see how he actually goes about his day and how he prioritizes his time. Because he's doing things that take a lot of time. What is he giving up? I don't, I don't know. That's a good, I think he's spending a lot of his personal time after hours just because he loves it. See, I, I, I love CAD, but not to the point where I love it as a tool for me to get my projects done. I don't love it to like the degree of it's just fun for me to detail things. Yeah. Just to detail them. But that's that's one of the things I struggle with, with like uh, Instagram and Pinterest and all these things is you, you can get on and you spend like three minutes looking at all this amazing stuff. And you're looking at the best work that 20 different people dedicated hundreds of hours to and then you have it in your mind they're like oh i want to do all of that and in reality you can't because you don't have the time or the resources or the resources for sure i think what's cool about 3d magic mike is he has he works for i think the roadster shop yeah which is a chassis like a turnkey chassis designer for late model cars and trucks Mm -hmm. and they do really high-end work. I think what's cool about him is he's super creative. He's very resourceful. He does totally. a lot of his molds on a hobby-level 3D printer. I think his is like a Creality mm. or, or something like that. Um, he has the same router table as me. He uses a lot of like desktop, you know, sub $2,000 systems yeah. or sub $3,000 systems even though he has resources there at Roadster Shop, just because they're his. Right. And he still produces quality that exceeds like what I would consider OEM quality with his parts. And you don't see that in aftermarket, like especially with body panels. Like I have some fiberglass body panels on my Bronco. I won't name the brand because it's a cool brand, but it's like their quality is just lower. Like they just don't Mm. care. That would be a good application for the F770 or just like uh, custom patterns for um, fiberglass layup tools. Yeah. And it's really easy to finish an FDM part, which that's kind of why I like to follow them because it shows me like what can be done with these very, what I would consider the entry level tools. You know, you don't need a huge five axis mill you don't need you know necessarily a stratasys f770 or an f9 a fortis 900 you know to produce these types of parts he just takes a lot of time and he makes sure that you know 
Maybe it's a 10 piece mold that he has to glue together. He takes a lot of time. He makes sure it's perfect. And then he does big work with small things. And I just think it's really cool. It's way cool. He's, he's prideful. He's an inspiration. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, anyway, I thought I'd dig into you a little bit more than I did about the fact that you told me you'd build your own printer, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I just, I was purely, I was just shocked when you said, I think I'd build my own. Yeah. And you said it before you, you maybe even thought about how I'd react. I don't know. Oh, I didn't, I didn't think about how you would react. I just, that's my normal way of thinking all the time. Just I'll build it. Yeah. I'll just do it. Yeah. Are you getting away from that at all? Like we've yeah, had some discussions about. For sure I am. What's mm-hmm. driving that? Just this realization that uh, my time here is limited <laughs> and I literally cannot. Do you feel like you feel like you're getting older? Regardless if I'm, everyone's getting older. Oh, sure. But you don't get older forever. It's the realization of that. Wow. Didn't realize we were going to go here. Right. And so every hour you spend on this one thing is taking away from an hour that you could spend somewhere else. And so at the end of the day, do you want this homemade printer or do you want something else? And I'm definitely gravitating away from some of those other things. I'm proud of you. Yeah. Thanks. I'm proud. I, I do need to mention getting back to, I think I kind of, I talked about that four day, nine hour print. Yeah. It is important. And we talked a little bit about support strategies and optimization. Um, I've had a lot of conversations recently and been spending a lot of time optimizing things for the 770. Uh-huh. I've mentioned this before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It takes a little bit of time. But the investment, like in that particular build, I think it was over five days okay. before optimization. I did another part for someone What'd recently that was a multi-part. What are, what are some examples of things that you're doing? Um, the easiest thing is to reduce the infill density and use the sparsest infill I could. And to compensate for like rigidity, I did a layup tool for someone um, as I increased the shell thickness. So contours print faster. Mm-hmm. than rasters just because mm-hmm. they're straight lines around the whole thing. And so I, I kind of did a trade off, right? I made the, the whole body stiffer by increasing the shell thickness, but reducing infill numbers. Yeah. Okay. Um, utilizing insight, which is our other more advanced slicer. I can reduce infill further with that tool than I can with GrabCAD print. Yeah. And so I, I kind of played with that whether or not, it was realistic. And I had this conversation with the customer. I was like, I can, what I used to print your part was this strategy. Yeah. I could get time to go lower and material usage to go lower. Here's what I feel good about, like <clears throat> saying is a potential possibility. Right. But I can't you, guarantee. You can go beyond what the machine is actually capable of. There's no, it's very, it's, it's more open-ended. Yeah. Yeah, and Stratasys, their support or their full strategy on the F770, I have noticed is slightly different. Like build strategy is a little more conservative. For example, they don't let you lower the density with the slider bar below 16%. Mm -hmm. You have to manually input if you want it to go to 14, for example. But the F370 can go below 14 with the slider bar. Yeah. You know, so 
they're a little more conservative and for good reason. I mean, you're talking about a week long print. One of these prints that I did the other day was I think a, a 16 day or a 14 day. Uh huh. It was a two week print and I got it down to like just over a week. So like spending an hour, two hours doing some optimization yeah. and iterating your build strategies is totally worth it. I wonder if we'll ever get the bigger nozzle. I hope, the that, I hope they do. Because we have the bigger nozzle, the 20,000 nozzle on the 900. F900. And that's that's one way to speed up the process. Yeah. It, your material usage will go up. And you'll, and you'll sacrifice resolution. But that's probably a good trade-off. Oh, for sure. To for have many applications, for many applications, it would be a solid trade-off. Yeah. So the, the, the quick <clears throat> and easy answer is I reduced infill as much as I absolutely could. The second one is support strategies. So using smart support strategy is usually good enough on the F370 oh, sure. on a normal yeah. print. On the F770, it's you really should like dig into every little detail why why is the support going all the way to here can i Hmm. get can i get rid of it can i angle the model because even though it'll build more support base yeah uh layers out of um on the base on an angled support it might remove an overhang up top that i was having to support you know 12 inches up so now I'm not having to switch from model to support every single layer. Things like that make the world a difference with that machine. And it Mm. pays huge dividends Mm. in time. Yeah, it makes sense. So we're probably running a little short on time. I want to share a YouTube of the week. Nice. It's so good. You ready for this? Okay. Yeah. So I ran into this the other day. It was I don't know if this is 3D printed related at all, which we've shared some that aren't 3D printed related. This guy I know absolutely has used 3D printing. He does some fiber layup. He makes RC boats. This is the title okay. of this video. I'm not, his his uh, page is called RC Test Flight. Okay. He has a ton of subscribers, but this video is what caught my eye. It's called... My DIY RC boat pulled me 20 miles. <laughs> Three <laughs> exclamation points. Okay. And how can you not watch that? Mm, I could easily not watch that. Oh my, I got sucked <laughs> right in. So I turn it on and it shows just a quick clip of him building his boat. And I'm going to turn this on. I'm going to turn it up. What is this? As he ventured through Seattle, both propellers sure did rattle. You won't believe me when I say it didn't even matter. This is the third video in my solar power. Okay, so I don't know <laughs> if he has friends that he harmonizes with, but mm, that's his it's own. It's a stretch. It's a stretch. It's him, huh? It's just him alone and he's yeah. mixing it. It Friends might be a stretch for this guy. <laughs> no, he seems like an awesome dude. So I watched the whole video. It's 36 minutes. Okay. Um, and he does it. He goes 20 miles. Sorry. Spo- spoiler alert. He <laughs> actually does it. So he builds this RC tugboat. And, what is, and it's, is it, it's fiberglass. It's fiberglass. Is he using printing at all? Uh, I don't know. He has the build videos. Oh, okay. I haven't gone back to look at his build videos yet. Of hey, the bolt holes. A guy like that is doing something and printing is 
definitely the easiest way to do those molds. Yeah, he could have absolutely used 3D printing for these. I don't know whether or not he did. I would did be so surprised. If he didn't? Yeah, if he didn't. Um, anyway, he basically, he creates this autonomous tugboat and he gets on Google Maps, creates a waypoint trail and he loads these GPS coordinates into his, I don't know if it's his own um, GPS tracker or what, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or if it's just something you can find open source online, but he loads those waypoints into this thing and that's what guides his tugboat. So he's got this little inflatable kayak and he ties like a 20 foot shoestring <laughs> to it. It's it's not a shoestring, but it's like that thin of a rope. Yeah. And he, this tugboat tows him <laughs> around Seattle. Like through the th sound. There are huge. I don't actually know, but there are huge boats that like boat traffic is insane and they're monster boats. And here's this little dude in an inflatable kayak with this, <laughs> it's a solar paneled RC boat that's just pulling them right along. And throughout this video, it's 36 minutes long, you don't have to watch the whole thing, but he sprinkles in these little songs that he yeah. sung, these little sailor songs, hilarious. <laughs> I was almost crying laughing. I, I think he definitely is recording the different octaves and then mixing them for the, for the melody. He's a talented person. Let's put it yeah. that way. Not, There's no not like 3D that. Magic Mike, but he's talented with singing and he's talented with his lyrical prowess. <laughs> and I really enjoyed that. I mean, I, maybe it's because I have an affinity for RC anything. Like yeah. I love remote control boats. I love remote control cars, trucks, yeah. airplanes, helicopters. Like I think they're so cool. Um, so I was immediately lured in by this thing. Nice. And just to see that, like, the other thing was 20 miles. I knew he couldn't pack enough batteries to make that happen. And just the fact that his solar panels on top of his RC tugboat were enough to kind of regenerate. Yeah, yeah. he had to be super conservative with speed. He was going like 1.2 miles an hour. <laughs> um, but overall, just a fun yeah. video. He could have used additive. Oh, I like that. The I'll give you one. Yes. I'll give you one. Okay. I'm going to look it up. Uh, Premier Outdoor Living. Oh my gosh. These guys' videos I love. Because it to me it's like... Mm, have you ever tried speed reading? Oh my. Yeah, I have. Okay, I know so, how you got into <clears throat> this. I already can tell. Really? Yeah, there's no. heavy equipment. Well, that's what's not going it. on, everybody. Welcome I've been back watching to the oh, I've seen this guy. We have a... I watched one of his deck building videos. Yeah, he's so good. I've, you know, I have a lot of yard work to do and landscaping to mm -hmm. do. And, and yeah, you're building a deck too, or you're planning to build a deck. And so I started watching these guys' videos. And now every time I see a new one, I always, I don't watch it immediately because I have to be in the right mood. Because basically what I do is I plant myself in front of the TV. I open my eyes as wide as I can. I try to focus all my attention on this and then I play it. And it's usually just a time-lapse with some electronic music and you just go into a trance and I feel like it's speed reading for construction. Yeah. Where I'm just absorbing, I'm trying to absorb everything and I'm watching, my eyes are probably darting back and forth. I'm trying to watch like, every little thing that's happening, but I'm not thinking about it. I'm just absorbing it. 
hoping oh, that. Oh yeah, hoping you're that absorbing. I'm just absorbing it. <laughs> and you're hoping that th their build strategies will instill themselves in you. Yeah, yeah. So now this is a spiritual experience. It is. It is. And so now I know I can oh probably gosh. go build a deck without even thinking about it because oh I've watched gosh. probably three, three decks dozen are of these. incredible. They're getting better too. Oh my! They go ham. Like these decks have integrated lighting, fireplaces, barbecues, ton of inlays. One of the best tools that they have is the uh, track saw. That's the the spacers. The track saw is like a circular saw, but it rides on a track. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it's got a couple use, rails. Yeah, right? yeah, and so you can get, uh, and you don't even have to bolt or anything down. It just uses friction of the track surface. And so you get dead straight cuts and you have a ton of control over the depth. So they can put their deck boards on over their waterproof tape that's on the joists. Mm -hmm. And then they just set the tracks on, cut it. You get a straight cut. They don't even cut the- How long the tape. can it go? I think a normal track is like eight feet and then you can- you can add extensions to it. And that's all they do is treks, right? Like the. Yeah, mostly just treks, composite, composite, composite stuff. Deck yeah. boards. I, I thought you were talking about the little spacers they put and then they've got like a, you can stand up instead of bending over. They've got oh, this yeah, gun. The screw gun. Yeah. And yeah, when you watch rad. their time lapses, it's really cool to see because you'll see the, the fasteners kind of standing yeah. up above the level of the boards yeah. and then you'll see the guy. Brrr, just go in a perfect pattern and knock them all do, down. Do you know uh, Dr. Deck? Yes. On yes. Uh, Instagram. So he he, he just posted some uh, 3D printed spacers this past Did week. Did he? Yeah. Hmm. I think he bought them from someone. So someone's out there printing spacers for these contractors and I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. Are they FDM? Yeah, probably. They were brightly colored. So yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely PLA. They're going to melt in the yeah. sun. Yeah. So yeah, I just go into a trance and I absorb everything I can with those guys' videos. He's he's probably around our age. Yeah. Relatable. I think he does super well on YouTube and you have to wonder like for how much effort he puts into YouTube, what what does that what's the payoff in terms of his actual business? Probably well worth his time. Couple grand in ad revenue. And probably sell some merch. Well, it probably just is in terms of just getting jobs. Oh, it's probably everything, honestly. Yeah. Imagine you know there's people watching that thinking, well, it's like soccer. I gotta, I gotta hire this guy. Oh, he happens to be a hundred miles away from me. How many jobs do you think Saunders Machine Works gets with his PCNC eleven hundred, which is like mm -hmm. a great machine, but no commercial machinist would view that, that that's a tinker yeah. toy how many people call him up and have him machine their projects when they probably have someone within like five miles of them yeah with a real machine well just because he say, has a youtube channel at this point probably 99 percent of his business is because of his youtube channel because his youtube channel came Absolutely. before his, his business they just took he just took delivery of a uh, big akuma horizontal mill so once you once you step up to a horizontal mill, like game changer, it is a game changer. Those things are built for productivity. He still does funny things though, yeah. occasionally. Like, they're, well, they're building a Johnny Five robot. Well, I'm talking just like he's still 
even though I'm not a machinist, that thing hit my Tyler, head. Tyler's tearing apart our building. That thing fell off the wall and hit my head. I'm not a machinist and yeah. I don't know everything about every tool. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to learn a little bit about reamers right now because of my Bronco. Mm -hmm. I need to put bigger lug studs on it and I don't want to, the holes to wander. So I'm learning about reamers. Yeah. They are really long. If you've ever seen a picture of a, a reamer, they're... Mm -hmm. I have reamers. They're like 15 inches long. They look like they a really long, straight fluted jobber drill, kind of. They can be really long. Yeah. The chucking reamers specifically. So something uh -huh. you might put in your mill or your yeah. drill press. And they're designed that way so that they have the ability to flex and follow the hole. They will follow the hole. So if you drill a curvy hole, your ream will follow that. It's going to be a little squirrely. He chopped a reamer the other day. Oh, he did? I saw on a YouTube video, he chopped it in half and he's like talking about deflection and run out on this tool. Uh-huh. And I'm like, well, the point is it, it's a, like the run out's allowable because it will kind of self-center and it will follow yeah. the hole. But like some things, he's super smart. I'm not trying to like sure. tear him down, but some things we do this all the time. We overlook like the simplest things that have been designed in and we chop them off because we think that we know better. Yeah. And even sure. someone like him, someone like you or me, like we, everybody makes these mistakes. Yeah. And he probably, he'd probably be the first person though to say, yeah, I'm doing this. I don't really know all of the consequences of and it. And I think he actually did. Yeah. I think he actually He's did say that. Yeah. He, and you, I think just to see someone like that, that's owning their mistakes. Um, and he's just, he's dialed, but to see him do that, it just made, it, it kind of made me feel good, honestly. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm like, this is a mistake. I know he's making a mistake. I'm not a machinist, but I still know that this is like beyond the design of the tool. Like yeah. now you've, you've taken one of the features of your tool out by cutting the shank short. I think this is probably one of the main reasons why I haven't dived into YouTube is that I don't know if I can take all of the criticism <laughs> because I do everything wrong. Like you've seen me work. <laughs> you've seen me work. I do everything wrong. And that's how I learn. Like yeah. I just do it and I do it and I do it and I do it. And you know, so far, mostly I don't get injured. I haven't killed myself. And I haven't wasted too much money, but I do everything wrong. I think there's nothing wrong with that. You would get the critical feedback in someone telling you, but like he does. Yeah. He's good enough to where it's like, he's like, yeah, I know you guys are going to beat me up over this, right. but I'm going to do it anyway. Or he'll say, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. If any of you out there know, like reach out in yeah. the comments, help me out. And I actually appreciate it when I get the feedback, but I, does it hurt a little? <laughs> uh, no, like I know Cuts I'm deep. doing it wrong, but what I'm saying is like, I don't know if I could put myself out there to like invite everyone to dogpile the mm. feedback. Cause that's YouTube. Like yeah, YouTube, the internet, it's, it's a, a harsh, harsh place. place. You don't want to get bullied online. No, is what you're I, saying. it's like just pouring battery acid on my body. Yeah, I think I, I did, every video I've uploaded to YouTube, every video I eventually unlisted or I took it off really on my personal thing, except for one, the There's, Fiskers, the, the Fiskers the, is on there because that, that thing is flawless. Yeah, it's good. <laughs>
Well, I, I mean, I, I will say like I've I've put a few videos out there. Mm-hmm. Feedback's been okay, but I just don't I don't get the views. And I and I'm not yeah. like after getting millions of views, but I made a fixture tool for our fixture tables and I did a little short video on hey, this is something I need to find that. I haven't seen this on YouTube yet, so I'm pr- putting it out there and that's why I did it. Oh. And so far the feedback has been good that I've gotten. I need to find that the, and the, watch it. The 10 I didn't know comments you had a YouTube. that I got. Yeah, I do. You have 10 comments? <laughs> I can only dream of 10 comments. <laughs> no, but like I the critical feedback is definitely something that I struggle with too. Yeah. Um but I what I hate worse, like because I have seen you work and it reminds me of me. We fail a lot and we know we're doing things wrong. Our problem, uh, and I'm gonna speak for you too is that we fail super slow. We don't fail fast. And that's where I'm trying to get right now. Like I just welded some per- spring perches on my Bronco axle. That axle costs more than the whole truck. Mm-hmm. And my welds, they're not my best ones. And it makes mm-hmm. me feel really bad. But at the end of the day, I'm like, they're going to hold on. They, yeah. l- they look good enough. I, and think, I think the appearance of welds are like the most overrated thing ever. Yeah, but it just, it hurts a little because all the welds are so perfect on the axle housing yeah. that came from the factory. Yeah. Um, and then there's mine <laughs> yeah. that are like, oh, the same person definitely didn't weld those <laughs> on. <laughs> so that's the only bummer. But at like, I haven't lost sleep over it and it feels great. It mm-hmm. feels great. Like I, you do have to just release it. Yeah. And yeah. I think I'm getting to that point finally. It only took me, you know, forever, but I am getting there. And I think putting yourself out there sometimes like your failures, which I have been documenting this whole Bronco build. Have I posted anything yet? No, really? So you've been setting up the camera and Mm -hmm. talking to it and stuff. Yeah. Huh? I've been setting it up and I don't know if it'll ever see the light of day, but at least it's like a digital journal for me at the very least. Yeah. I would like to release it though. And as it becomes useful to me too, like right now I'm purposely not putting it out there because I don't need help like doing it right. Like I know how to do it right and I'm not going to be perfect. Yeah. And so I don't need someone being like, man, those welds don't look as good as the ones on that axle housing. I I definitely think that hurts. I was thinking about this and it doesn't help me move forward. Exactly. I think you and I may have come to the same conclusion. Like if, if we were doing these videos, probably just shoot, shoot, shoot until it's done and then edit it up and then just do like one video instead of going as you go mm-hmm. because or release it in a series that would help you like it's done it's out of your mind you just release it and i don't have to feel the heaviness of everyone's opinions yeah no 100 percent. and i'm to the point where it's like i i just really want this bronco on the road i don't necessarily I'm not like trying, it's not an ignorance is bliss kind of thing. It's like, I've researched probably too much. Mm-hmm. I've done too much analysis. Like even on this reamer situation, there's dudes that take a hand drill yeah, with a five eighths drill bit and they just plunge it on through Yeah, and they punch their new wheel studs in and they're happy as clams. That's and what you should do. I'm not going to do that. I won't do it because at least with a reamer, even if I've never worked with a reamer before, and even if I leave some like chatter marks in the drill holes, whatever the reamer to me will produce a better hole and it'll stay on center better than anything else. Well, yeah. Oh, you're going to argue. You're going to argue with me. No, I'm not. I'm actually reading a book. I'm reading a book (laughs) that 
it's the book I didn't know I needed, <laughs> but it's essentially about part of it. Part it's about behaviors you should stop doing and like things that you do that maybe you don't realize you're doing. So anyway, being like saying actually or but or however, like trying to insert your opinion. Mm. Basically, you know, probably what I've been doing for 40 episodes of this podcast. <laughs> Me too, man. But have you considered no, no that's all that's dude, also a phrase. Have can, you considered you can't do that? But I actually at this point in time, I would like your opinion. Once you get it in, could you just tack weld it? Tack weld the stud on the backside? Yeah. Well, here's the thing that's weird about this Bronco. So usually you like on a rear axle, for example, there's just a big flange and you just knock them out with a hammer, put mm -hmm. the new ones in, right? Yeah. On this front hub, the studs actually, you know, those knurled portions that mm -hmm. you hammer in, mm -hmm. those are on the backside of the disc rotor and then they go through the hub on the other side of the disc rotor. So these studs actually go through two if you were to look at a cross section, it goes through two individual parts. One, the rotor, two, the hub. How is the rotor behind the hub? That's the funny part. So the rotor, um, okay, so on this Bronco, let me try and think this through the right way. In order to, to get to your rotor, you have to take the hub off. Okay. And the way the hub is on there is there's a big spindle mm -hmm. nut. You take the spindle nut off and the hub and the rotor come off as an assembly. Mm. So they're attached together with the studs. As soon as you knock the studs out yeah. or the lug studs, the rotor releases from the hub. Wow. That's how you do a brake change on this thing. It's a Man, huge pain. That's unlike butt. anything I've ever worked on. It's like a full floating. Yeah. Um, it's a full floating assembly, which is really cool because it's cool. strong. So we talked about this. I think that you have to drill out these stud holes. I think that you should just print a jig, throw a drill bushing in there. Oh, is that what you think? Yeah. And we talked about this it. off air. Yeah. You said that's what you think I shouldn't do. No, that's what I said. You, I think you should do. Okay. Let's hear. How should I do this? You should, you should print a jig that centers, locates on the hole you're going to drill with a pin. How though? Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. And uh -huh. then you pull the pin and that reveals the pin is sitting inside your five eighths. The pin would have to be shouldered. No, it wouldn't. Yeah. Cause if it's going through a drill bushing. Yeah. The drill bushing needs to be the end size. Yeah. So it needs the, the, it needs a big shoulder there and a small shoulder to go through the hole. That's it doesn't need a shoulder. Just hold it. Then how would I center it? You, you put a, you get a, it would have, it would, it would have to be shouldered. Yeah. You're right. Okay. Sorry. It would be shouldered. Pin comes out, you, before the pin comes out, you clamp the jig, pull, pull the pin, and now you just drill your hole. And then you go on to the next hole. Mm -hmm. And then that way you're not relying on other holes because right. you're not worried about the, you know, the location from hole to hole. You're just want to make sure that you're centering on this one hole that you're yep. going to drill. That's what I would do. It seems pretty, pretty straightforward. And that, I mean, and you mentioned another good method actually off air because to, to let everyone know kind of the iterative process we've gone through, just you and I thinking about this, we were going to, I was considering 3D printing a fixture with one drill hole that centered on the four other lug studs yeah. holes. But obviously as you clock that, as you've drilled one to the next, yeah. one of those holes is now larger. You'd run so out. I would need something, some sort of shoulder thing. And then Tyler mentioned like another option, which is just center 
get a through drill that'll go through the current hole, center it up in your drill press, and then get the correct, pull that out, put the correct drill size in once yeah. it's all clamped, and then just drill from there. A lot of different ways. The only issue I have with that is a drill typically, I think there's like a 10 thou-ish, 5 to 10 thou, it ends up oversized over the drill size. Mm. And since I'm going through two materials, I'm more worried about yeah. the wandering that might happen. Two materials? Well, they may be the same material, but two cross sections. So I'm going- You are? Yeah, I have to drill through the rotor too, because the lugs go through the rotor oh, and the hub. So I would I, just do those, I would do those separately. You don't want to drill through two things at once. It'll bind, it'll, it'll be a huge mess. I don't know. I, I, but I want the holes Always to match. Always a bad idea. Every time I've tried to drill <laughs> or cut things more than one at a time, Always a bad idea. Here's what I'm thinking. It's going to mostly act like a, the same part. As long as I leave the lug studs in, I can pop one out at a time. And so I have mm -hmm. one, I have one through hole and I just need to enlarge that one through hole. And if I go with your method and I use a shouldered center, whatever. I can't believe we're having this conversation on the pod. You, this, I this, hope people are thinking through this. If you have recommendations, <laughs> someone hit me up because so far the best thing I can find online is a bunch of guys that are just taking a hand drill to it and yeah, destroying it. I would it. be interested in hearing if people actually enjoyed the last 10 minutes of this conversation. I apologize. We if this were was... almost finished with this episode. Well, this is a good way to end it. And if you made it here, thanks That's for true. listening. Thank and you all, print heads. Yeah, print heads. Oh, wait. Do you want to <laughs> read that ad? We got, we told, we, we told you all, if you made it this far, we told you that we would never advertise to you and we lied. We what? have a major sponsor. A major sponsor. Are you going to do this? Here we go. You ready? Yep. He's rolling his eyes. Juicy filaments. <laughs> hey, print heads. <laughs> Are your filaments looking lackluster? Are their colors muted? Do your prints look as dry as Rockies? You need juicy filaments. Juicy filaments are guaranteed to provide the most lustrous prints in our patented PLA colors. Rainbow X, Flagstaff Rainstorm, Maldives Honeymoon, and Misty Mountain Brunch are all sure to keep everyone's eyes focused on your juicy prints. <laughs> juicy filaments are manufactured with state-of-the-art positronic reverse helical filament winding spindles in our juicy labs. Each juicy filament comes sealed Intellaxial coated hyperbaric reusable satchel to preserve effective juicy elements. I can't believe you aren't ordering juicy filaments right now. Get them wherever juicy filaments or high end filaments are sold. Can I try? Yeah, please. Can we read the same ad? Yeah. So that should I mention that this isn't real? This is from Jeb. I, I think we should demand some money from at least $5. Okay. This is his fake. Totally fictional. Hey, printheads. Are your filaments looking lackluster? Are their colors muted? Do your prints look dry as rackus? <laughs> you need juicy filaments. Juicy filaments are guaranteed to provide the most lustrous prints in our patented PLA colors. Rainbow X, Flagstaff Rainstorm, Maldives Honeymoon, and Misty Mountain Brunch. All are sure to keep everyone's eyes focused on your juicy prints. Juicy filaments are manufactured with state-of-the-art Posistronic reverse helical filament winding spindles in our juicy labs. 
Each juicy filament comes sealed in telaxial-coated hyperbaric reusable satchel to preserve its effective juicy elements. I can't believe you aren't juicy filaments right now. <laughs> Ordering. <laughs> I made it to almost the very end. That was, so you thought you could do better than me? That's no, such a great just, way to end our episode. I just wanted to turn. I didn't think I was going to. I just wanted to turn. Okay, so everyone knows Juicy Filaments is not a real thing and is no way affiliated with Stratasys or Go Engineer. Send us money. <laughs> See you later. <laughs>